This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, we hear a lot about the current government trying to find ways to cool the housing market to make things more affordable for people living in Metro Vancouver and the surrounding area. But what will that mean when it comes to income and revenues for the provincial government? To talk about that, we are joined by Sewer Somerville with the um, University of BC, a professor of economics. Sewer, great to have you back on the show. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Uh, we, we talk about it in the sense of affordability and how much it costs residents, but we often don't look at the money that comes in and the record revenues that come in because of our booming real estate market. Uh, are we are we kidding ourselves by not looking at that part of the equation? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think we should focus on that part of the equation. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you want to run the government basically on on what gives us the most tax revenue as opposed to sort of what's best for the population. Um, but it has put us in this sort of odd position where the government has really benefited uh, in terms of revenue um, from you know rapidly increasing property transfer taxes. Those are up about a billion dollars over the last two years. Um, and then because real estate is such a big part of the economy, it filters in all other kinds of ways through um, uh, sales tax revenues, through income tax revenues. And so um, you know, were, you, were the sector to really cool down, um, it would uh, have a very uh, contractionary effect, certainly in the lower mainland. And we do depend on it, or for no other reason than the money is there, governments have depended on it for quite some time now. Yeah, governments like going where the money is. <laughs> um, you know, but I, you know, when you combine uh, the rapid increase in the number of sales with the prices, since the, the property transfer tax is a percentage of the sales price, um, you know, that's what's, what's really driven things up. And um, I, I think it would be very unfortunate that the government uh, was reticent in, in addressing affordability because they were concerned about the revenue. Um, but since they just, you know, got rid of tolls on, on, on the bridges, um, perhaps the revenue issues are not going to drive them that much. Uh, and what about other parts of this in that uh, we talk about um, the empty homes tax, not a provincial thing, uh, something in Vancouver, uh, the, but the foreign buyers tax, uh, are those things that uh, the revenues from those, I mean, they must have come into play when they decided to, to take that action. I think in the, if you think of the city of Vancouver, uh, the community amenity contributions, the CACs, are a, a, a much bigger factor. They give a lot of money in from, from development by taxing about 75% of the increase in land value from rezoning. Um, and, you know, that obviously is revenue that if you didn't have development, you wouldn't have that revenue as well. And so, so both the city of Vancouver and the, and the province um, are benefiting financially from, from that situation and, and navigating um, what a turndown looks like in terms of their budget and their other objectives is, is going to be a challenge. Uh, and I mean, even if we look at it uh, from a point of view of property taxes, uh, shouldn't governments really be, I mean, they set their spending, they know how much the taxes are going to go up, the values keep going up, whereas wouldn't wouldn't a, a better way of doing it for residents, at least, uh, be not to, not to automatically increase property taxes simply because the market is so hot, uh, but look at your spending and perhaps even reduce the property taxes uh, to make things a bit more affordable? Well, I mean, the property taxes are driven more by how much the government wants to spend. Um, they change the percentage uh, tax rate every year based on, on prices relative to their spending levels. So if you don't like your property taxes going up, that's because the government is spending money. Um, it's not, at least, at least in BC, it's not driven by the property market because we don't really um, set it that way. Um, so 
I, I think it's it's less a property tax story and, and more just how much the economy depends on, on on real estate. I mean, you drive around the lower mainland and the, you know the number of stores that are uh, selling building supplies or things that use in a renovation. You know, it seems like every other store. Um, and and so, were we to get back to a, to a saner real estate market with sort of less activity and and, and lower prices, um, less flipping, uh, you'd probably see see less. Of, of of those kinds of, of of retail outlets, and that adjustment would would not be easy for everybody. How much influence do you think government has when they talk about depending? And no matter what government it is in office, when they talk about uh, taking steps to make things more affordable. You know, I mean, different different levels of government have more or less power in different areas. You know, so local governments um, have um, more power over supply. Um, but you know, one government uh, increasing supply in a metro area doesn't do very much. Uh, you know, the provincial government has control over certain kinds of taxes, and then the federal government has more influence over the supply of capital flowing into the real estate market. And so, you know, you've got different uh, elements addressing different pieces. You know, immigration policy affects how many people. You know, the, the growth of the population in Canada, and that's also a piece of it. So, you know, different governments can act on different different parts of it. But you know, part of the problem is that they have multi- every level. Has has multiple objectives and they're not all well served. Um, if you think about a local government um, and the supply side, you know, if local residents in a neighborhood don't want to have that neighborhood change and don't want to have redevelopment, you know, um, meeting um, their um, preferences or their desires means that the less new stuff gets built and we're not able to expand the supply with increasing demand. Uh, on the federal government side, that if, if, if you're not being careful enough on uh, making sure that lending is, is proper, you've got enough uh, excess flow of capital and, and um, you know, asset prices and house price increases, you know, need a flow of capital in order for that process to work. Uh, and when we talk about local governments, uh, at least in Vancouver, we've heard the the wanting to make it so nobody is paying more than 30% of their income to housing. I mean, short of bringing in a communist system, how do you do that? I, mean, I think I think it's really, it's kind of impossible for one city in a metro area to do that without sort of, you know, rigid, rigid planning. Um, just because the, the housing market is in the entire area. It's not just the city of Vancouver. Uh, and then particularly the city of Vancouver is viewed as a more attractive location than you are going to get people who want to live in the city and are willing to pay more to do it. So I, I, I think that is sort of a, a you know, across the board objective is, is, is problematic. I, I will say though that in really high house price um, cities, you know, there there is a lot of public housing uh, to help people on lower income, and so you know, you know, Hong, Hong Kong has a huge public housing sector. New York has a large housing housing sector. You could argue that Singapore is all public housing based on the way they they, they do things. So you know, that aspect of it is not unusual. Um, a lot of expensive European cities. Um, um, when they were dealing with housing affordability problems, particularly earlier in the 20th century, built a lot of public housing as well. Uh, so it's okay for people that are in public housing and people where money is no issue, but everybody in the middle seems to be stuck in this affordability crisis. Well, I mean, it's a question of whether or not how much choice you have, right? So um, when you say people in, in, in the middle, you know, like one quarter, one third of, of Hong Kong is in public housing. Um, I'm just saying that 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 governments who want to deal with the the, the housing affordability issues of the poorest people in in most of these cities have had fairly aggressive uh, p- 
public housing. People who can afford market housing, you need to have you know more market housing for them. And also, you have to deal with you know if you're dealing with with the asset price side, that's um, what's the flow of capital and the availability of capital. It's it, it's not sort of a situation where you can pull sort of one trigger. You know, as the federal government cracks really hard on 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 lending, then you know middle class folks who need a loan it becomes harder to get a loan, uh, and that isn't great either. So there, there are lots of trade offs. Uh, but how how concerned should a government be, and say at a provincial level, of meddling with a free market and really trying to have influence over things without a hundred percent knowing what the outcome is going to be? Well, I mean, I think you have to take targeted policies and you have to study them. I I, I wouldn't I'd, I'd be careful about referring to the housing market as a completely free market. I mean, government controls the, the, um, the zoning. You've got all kinds of uh, restrictions on on lending. You've got um, a mortgage insurance program that's backed by the the, the federal government. And it's it's just, it's pretty far from a free market, and um, and that way most places. So um, you know, government governments meddle. I think meddling in land markets forever, right? I mean, we start with the king giving out land. So <laughs> you know, um, the notion of a free of, of a free market in, in, in housing is a little bit uh, a little bit specious. Um, but I, I think I think it's 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 trying to evaluate policies as best you can before you before you enact them. Um, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of problems with with the things that the um, the certainly the previous provincial government or even the city of Vancouver have done to try to address things because it's it's a hard problem and you got to sort of take action on a variety of different fronts. Uh, but it seems like when we see projects where you must make less than sixty five thousand dollars or eighty thousand dollars or or this uh, these these rules put in, it seems like they are more restrictive than you're right than the the, the myriad of other rules we already deal with. Yeah. So I mean, the way to think about that is well, the free, the, free, the, the 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 number of units you can build in the free market number is a hundred, but we'll let you build one hundred and fifty if thirty of those are then rented out to people with lower income. So, you know, the, the intervention in the free market was limiting how many units you could build. So then once you sort of do that, then the question is, do we relax that for another policy objective? Um, and, you know, I, I mean, we, we can have a sort of a debate about that, but you start from the, from the place that we have zoning in place that limits uh, the amount of, of new development. One of the things I found is that no matter how free market people are, um, they become a whole lot less free market when the redevelopment targets their neighborhood. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, all right, sir, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. But okay. thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure. All right, that is Stuart Somerville. He is a professor of economics at UBC on the line uh, talking about housing, uh, revenues uh, regarding housing and what have you. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.